بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين Myself, my colleagues, we managed to perform Hajj a number of times. We managed to study the rulings of Hajj and the many of the Alhamdulillah. So we're putting together you know, a course on the fiqh of Hajj and over and above that how to benefit and derive as much benefit as possible um, from your Hajj and how to practically perform Hajj according to the Sunnah of Rasulullah. Um, and that is of utmost importance. You know, the, the, the reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent us the messenger is so that he may be followed. Right? We do not worship Rasulullah sallallahu but he is our role model. Uswatun hasana. As the Quran says, he is the perfect role model. In terms of how to be a slave of Allah and how do we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says in a hadith, خُذُوا عَنِّي مَنَاسِكَكُمْ Take your rituals of hajj from me. When it comes to how to perform hajj, when it comes to the various ibadat and the various parts of hajj and the various rituals of hajj, he said specifically, make sure you take those rituals from me. So in this course, bi'idhnillah, when we go through the fiqh of hajj, and every week we will add on, you know, a next part of Hajj and, and, and a further addition to the fiqh and how to perform the Hajj. We will take this directly from the Sunnah of the Prophet So that by the end of the schools, inshaAllah, we know exactly how to perform Hajj the way that the Prophet performed Hajj. And we will give you the ahadith and so forth so that you can see for yourself exactly, you know, how it was narrated, how the Prophet performed it what he did where and so forth insha'Allah so the first segment which is my segment which starts just after the road let's say half past or 25 to 1 or 2 what should I say um, for about just under an hour okay so we'll stop at about 20 past 2 insha'Allah and then I'm busy teaching the I will be teaching the fiqh of hajj meaning how do we do the rituals of hajj understand and then Sheikh Yasin will come and he will discuss different matters of Hajj in terms of history and in terms of Mecca, Medina and so forth and Sheikh Rida will then come in for the third segment and he will cover another different aspect of Hajj which deals with spirituality in terms of how do we prepare ourselves for Hajj so that we maximize benefit in terms of our Iman because Hajj is not just ritual we can perform Hajj I just walk around the Kaaba, I just do the Sa'i, I just pelt the Jamarat. That's just one aspect of Hajj. 
The other aspect is the spiritual side of Hajj. That Hajj, you need to feel what you are doing and to understand what we are doing. What we are saying, what does the Talbiyah mean? What does Labbaik, Allahumma Labbaik, what does it mean? What's the significance of the various acts of worship and so forth? So that we derive maximum benefit from the Hajj. The intent behind the Hajj is that you come back a changed person. So some scholars, they discuss the issue of how do we know that the Hajj has been accepted? In reality, we don't know. You can perform Hajj 50 times. Can we say that our Hajj has been accepted? Only Allah knows. So people often ask this question, how do I know if my Hajj has been accepted? And the one sign that the Hajj has been accepted is that when you come back from Hajj, you are a changed person. That Hajj has changed you, it has benefited you. So you are not the same person that you were before you went on Hajj. But to get this type of benefit out of Hajj, we need to prepare for Hajj in advance. We need to be ready for this change. The change doesn't just happen. I'm a Hajji, so I'm changed. It doesn't also, doesn't also work like that. It's a process that we need to put ourselves through, train our Iman, and so forth. Um, so that will be the third category, or the third category, in terms of spirituality and you know preparation and how to maximize the essence of Hajj and so forth. So I would have liked to use the the PowerPoint, but the electricity is going off in 10 minutes time, so there's no use. I set up and, and do all of that. So we printed out the, the slides um, so that you can follow the cowboy. You can make notes and add on, you need to add on, and so forth. So the first lectures this day will basically be more introductory, you know, getting to know uh, about Hajj um, and, and definition of the working of Hajj, the benefits of Hajj. Next week we'll jump into the, the proper fit of Hajj. Right? After we get through this introduction, next, next week we will jump into the, the proper, now we come into the rulings on Hajj. The fit of Hajj means in terms of your Mi'ah, in terms of the Ihram, what's allowed, what's not allowed, in terms of the different types of Hajj. We know there's three types of Hajj, right? Has anybody here been on Hajj? No? Has anybody, is anybody accepted to go for Hajj this year? Okay, one sister over there. Okay, inshallah, anybody expecting maybe this year? Or next year? Inshallah. Okay. No problem. Whether you study it now or two years, it doesn't make a difference. The reality is, you get, if you are preparing yourself from now or you get for next year or the year after, or the year after, that's only if you are So first and foremost, what does Hajj mean? What does Hajj mean? What is the definition of Hajj? Every person has an idea of what is meant by Hajj. We've all seen pictures, we've all spoken to Hujjaj, we have an idea of what Hajj really is. But the word Hajj in Arabic, the word Hajj in Arabic, it means an intention. It means a cost. A cost in Arabic means an intention. That you have a niya, but you have a specific intention. So this is what the word Hajj is literally in Arabic. It means every word in, in, in the Sharia that we use, in terms of Sharia terminology, has a literal meaning and it has a link, a meaning that is technical or a meaning that we use in terms of the Sharia. 
Okay? Like wudu. What does wudu mean? To purify yourself? Meaning, if I tell you to take wudu, what do you understand from that? You don't wash your hands, your mouth knows you. In Arabic, the word wudu means to wash your hands. There is a difference. There is a relation, but it's slightly different. So in Arabic, the word had it means an intention. An intention to do something. You are making an effort to do something. That's what the word had literally what it means in Arabic. Understand? What does it mean in terms of the Sharia? That intention. There must be a connection between that word. So you have the intention to do what? To do certain rituals. To perform certain rituals, particular rituals. Specific ibadat, like the ta'ah and the sa'i, and the talking of the kamarah, etc. This is your intention. And in a specific time and place. Right? In a specific time and place. Obviously in Makkah. Right? Obviously in Makkah. And the place and the time is during the days of the during the time of Hajj. This is the a very general definition of what Hajj the specifics we will go through. The specifics we will go through. Okay? But that in terms of the Sharia is what we mean by by Hajj. Tayyip. The status and ruling on Hajj. Who knows the ruling on Hajj? Is Hajj Fab? Is it Fab Kifaya? Is it Makruf? What's the ruling on Hajj? The ruling on Hajj is that it is obligatory. We all know Hajj is wise upon us. Correct? And as we grow up, we are taught from young, we must make Hajj at least once in our life. This is something that is still within all of us. So we, as we grow up, we know. We have to save up one day, we plan one day, inshallah, we're going to go for Hajj, and so forth. This is something that's known by necessity. We're going to get to that point, inshallah. In terms of the status of Hajj in the Deen of Islam, the status is a great status. It's one of the pillars of Islam. One of the five pillars of the Deen. What does that mean? A pillar of something means what holds that thing up, which means of utmost importance. If you take a pillar out of the building, that building will be on the verge of collapsing or it's going to collapse. So any of the pillars of the deen is of utmost importance. Your shahada, your belief, your salah is of utmost importance. Those are the two main pillars that holds up our religion. Paying of zakah is not optional. Not something minor if we neglect it. Fasting Ramadan and to go for Hajj. It's a major issue. Right? It's something that's held upon us as long as we abide by the deen. And you see the hadith that the Prophet said Islam has been built on five things Shahada of La ilaha illallah and that Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah establishing salah, giving you zakah. Making Hajj of the Bayt, of the House of Allah, the Kaaba, and fasting of Ramadan. Right? 
So this is something that we said is known by necessity. There's no Muslim that does not know that they have to perform Hajj. Unless they are living in the middle of the of a jungle or in the middle of some place where they didn't grow up amongst Muslims, they've never been taught, they don't have the Quran, they don't have any hadith. Maybe in a particular situation the person might not know that they're supposed to perform Hajj. But any Muslim living amongst Muslims, he knows by necessity. Meaning, there's no evidence needed to be established for me to show him what in the Quran says. They know it by necessity. So if a person denies and he says, there's no need for me to make hajj. Why must I make hajj? Hajj is not wanted. What happens to such a person? What happens to a person who says, hajj is not obligatory, it's an optional thing. If you do it, it's good. If you don't do it, it's okay. What do we say? What do you do to if somebody says, Hajj is not found? You're changing Allah's laws, fair enough. What happens to such a person? What's the ruling of such a person? He can fall out of the fold of Islam. If anybody says, we don't have to make Hajj. It's the same like saying you don't have to make Salah, you don't have to pay Zakah, you don't have to fall from a God. This person is denying Allah and the Messenger and all of the Muslims. Changing Islam. And this type of ruling and this type of opinion can take a person out of the fold of Islam. Understand? This is different to a person who doesn't make Hajj because he's lazy or because he's delaying it or because he's miserly, doesn't want to spend all that money. It's different. He knows he's wrong. That's one thing. He's a sinner. I'm speaking about a person who says, Hajj is just by the way. You make it, you make it, you don't make it, it's okay. It's not actually possible. This is extremely dangerous. Because you are now changing the rules of the deen of Islam. And you are now playing the role of Allah. Allah made these laws. Do you understand? So this is part of our belief. We have to believe that Hajj is a fault. And we have to strive to, to fulfill that part. Right? So Hajj is an obligation, which is one book. So one is obligation, as opposed to Zakah, which is yearly, as opposed to Ramadan, which is yearly, Salah, which is daily. Hajj is once book in your entire life. You made one Hajj, Alhamdulillah, that obligation is now lifted from you, removed from you. If you make any other hajj after that, then this is just adding one good, more and more good for you, insha'Allah. And this is a favor from Allah that He made once off. Because to make hajj every year, or every 10 years, or every 5 years, will be extremely difficult upon the Muslims. Especially us who live far away. Because we're going to need all types of food. For the journey, right? Preparation, you leave your family, you leave your work, you travel up and down, the journey itself is tough, and so forth. And from another angle, can you imagine all the Muslims going to India for Hajj? Everybody comes to Makkah, which is a small little city like this. Imagine a billion Muslims in there, as opposed to two million or three million. 
This is obviously after the hikmah of Allah, and this is also a ni'mah from Allah. It's a favor that He only made it an obligation once or Another evidence that Hajj is found is found in the ayah of the Quran. An ayah of the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Ali Imran, وَلِلَّهِ عَلَى النَّاسِ حِجُّ الْبَيْتِ مَا لِسْتَطَاعَ إِلَيْهِ سَبِيلًا This ayah proves that Hajj is an obligation. Allah says, وَلِلَّهِ and for His sake, وَلِلَّهِ for the sake of Allah, عَلَى النَّاسِ It is obligation upon the people, obligated upon the people, حِجُّ الْبَيْتِ to make Hajj of the Bayt. is the house of Allah. Hajj of the Kaaba. Whoever is able to find a way there to, to find where to away. And this is one of the proofs or the conditions of Istiba'ah, which we will speak about later on, inshaAllah. So the ayah is very clear. The ayah says that every person who is capable and has a way to get to Hajj, he must make Hajj for the sake of Allah. That's basically what the ayah is saying. Understand? An obligation. This ayah was revealed in the ninth year of the Hijrah. So what does that mean? After they made Hijrah, they left Mecca, moved to Medina. Nine years later, this ayah was revealed. How long was the Prophet in Medina? How long did he live in Medina? Nine years? How long was he a prophet? 23 years. How many years in Mecca? So at the age of 40 he became a prophet. For 23 years he was a prophet until 63 when he passed away. How many years was he in Mecca as a prophet? As a prophet he was in Mecca for 13 years. As a prophet, all the prophets would stay in Mecca for 13 years. No hajj was revealed. No fasting was revealed. Salah was revealed right at the end of that 13 years. That 13 years was all about establishing belief. To strengthen the ummah and to rectify the false belief. To bring the people into prophet and and worshipping Allah alone and so forth. And then they left and they made hijrah. Nine years later, this ayah was revealed. And then Hajj became wajib. The Prophet waited for one year and then he made Hajj. And then he made Hajj. And then he soon after that he, he passed away. On that Hajj he gave a khutbah, which we call the Khutbatul Wada' the farewell sermon. And in this sermon he gave various advices and various admonishments and so forth. And in the scripture he said that I will not remain with you for long after this. And he passed away. So this, when was Hajj made wajib? In the ninth year of the Hijrah, Hajj became a fad. Before that, he was not a fad on the Muslims. Right? Does this mean nobody made Hajj? Hajj is actually an ancient practice. From Ibrahim alayhi salam, Musa alayhi salam, they all used to make Hajj. They all made Hajj. And even the pagans, and even the mushrikeen and the Quraysh used to make Hajj. 
And it is said one of the reasons that the Prophet did not make Hajj immediately was because the Mushrikeen were still in charge of Makkah. If they in charge of Makkah, what does that mean? He came to Hajj. Those people were so corrupt and barbaric, they would make Tawaf naked. They would walk around the Kaaba with no clothes on. So it's said the Prophet knew this, and this is why he refused to enter. He entered Makkah, but he did not make Hajj yet. Until they conquered Makkah. Until they conquered Makkah. Once they conquered Makkah, they destroyed all the idols they found, they rectified the affairs of the Haram, and then he came in and he made his, and he made his Hajj. It's a small little bit about the history of Hajj. So we've spoken about the definition of Hajj. Benefits of Hajj. Right? There is so many benefits of Hajj. There are an endless amount of benefits of Hajj that we can possibly go through. And just to go through a few of them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, لِيَشْهَدُوا مَنَافِعَنَهُمْ This is in Surah Hajj. Allah says that they, those hujjaj, they may witness benefits for themselves. When you make Hajj and you start to prepare yourself for Hajj, Allah is saying that, why? Because you will experience and you will witness benefits for yourself. There is so many things that's going to change your life. There's so many things that's going to change your perspective. That's, there's so many things that's going to change your demand, your personality, your life experience through this journey of Hajj and the preparation for this journey of Hajj. And this is why Allah says, what? لِيَشْهَدُوا مَنَافِعَةِ مَنَافِعَةِ means benefits. Things that can profit you and help you. And this is the purpose, one of the benefits of Hajjah. The Quran says, you will go and you will experience these benefits. وَيَذْكُرُوا اسْمَ اللَّهِ فِي أَيَامِ مَعْلُمَاتِ And that they can go and mention and remember the name of Allah on those known days. The days of Hajj is days of dhikr. The days of Hajj there are days of dhikr. From start to finish, we try and remain in a state of dhikr. Different types of dhikr, right? Various ways you can sit and think and contemplate, that's dhikr. Understand? Simple things we, we need to learn to do and train ourselves to do. And during these days, they become the most blessed of days because of all the ibadah that's happening during those days. So they mention the name of Allah of what He has provided for them of sacrificial animals. Right? Of course, this is out of secret. If we thank Allah and we praise Allah and we remember Allah and we exalt Allah and so forth. From the benefits of Hajj is that we get to know people from all over the world. You will meet people firstly from the rest of South Africa. When you be in a group and you will meet people from all over South Africa. And on this journey, you will meet people from across the globe, from all over. This happens in Makkah all the time, but especially during the days of Hajj. You will meet people, and you can make good friends. And we know so many people who have made friends on Hajj and become associates and close to people on Hajj, and this friendship remains forever. And this is one of the, the great benefits of Hajj, that it brings the people together. It brings people from far across the globe together. 
And I think this probably applied even more so before cell phones came about. You know, now you can be in contact with somebody from across the globe very easily. But back then, you meet someone from abroad who is something very rare. You get into contact with them, you learn from them, you learn from their experiences, and so forth. So you get to know people. And you bring, it brings about love and unity between the Ummah. Between the Muslims of the Ummah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. You're going, you're going to be spending time with people that you've never met. You're going to spend time with people and you are going to spend the best of your days with those people. On Arafah, you will sit, you will stand, you will encourage each other, you will help each other out, you will learn how to become kind to them. There is so many lessons you will, when you're there, you will see it for yourself. How you have to become a bigger person and a better person to assist each other. Business or trading, this is also part of time. And I think there's also more money back in the day. People would go, spend a few months there, buy things, go home and start to trade. You know, this is still happening, but that's also a benefit of Hajj. The poor people benefit from the Sadaqah and from the various animals that will be sacrificed on Hajj. This is a great benefit for the poor people, especially the poor people of Makkah. Hajj is also a reminder of the day of Qiyamah. How so? What happens on the day of Qiyamah? People will be resurrected. Everybody will be standing on one place, like the Hujjaj stand on the place of Arafah. The moment you are standing there, you are all clothed in the same clothing. And you will stand there and you will see this a sea of people. This is how to be on the day of Qiyamah. Qiyamah means the day of standing. Meaning it's the day we will all be resurrected and you will stand in front of Allah. Look at pictures of Arafah and you will see people standing there. Making dua, but you see millions of people standing, sitting, but they're just there on one plane. And many ulama are of the opinion that resurrection will happen on the plains of Arafah. It's an opinion. It will happen on the plains of Arafah. So this is a great benefit of Hajj. Right? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Aksiru zikra hadimal Remember often the destroyer of pleasures. What is the destroyer of pleasures? Most. Death. It's a sunnah. It's a sunnah to think about death. It's a sunnah to think about death. And maybe I'm afraid if I say it's a sunnah that is mahjura. It's a sunnah that has been lost. It's a sunnah that's not being applied by most of the Muslims. Who from a master sits and thinks about it? I'm going to die. I could be dying today. I might die later on this afternoon or this evening or tomorrow morning or tomorrow evening. I have no guarantee. So I need to prepare myself for this. And to prepare myself so I'm going to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Am I ready to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That day of the, 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 the Hajj is a reminder, a big wake up call. Because this is how it's going to look. I need to be ready for this. So that is definitely a great reminder of Hajj. It's also a symbol of equality and unity. When we stand there on Arafah, 
without difference between rich and poor. You owe very much something. Right? Two cloth, especially for the men. Two cloth, that's it. Sandals, nothing else. Nothing on your head. No underwear, no pants, no shirt, nothing. And you look exactly the same. After two days, you both you can you won't be able to tell the difference between a poor man and a rich man. You will, both of you have been on the road, you've been into the dusty streets of Arafah, the desert of Ur, and it's extremely hot. So both of you are going to look untidy, dusty, disheveled, your ikharam is going to be blackish, dirty, full of dust. And you will see all of these things, and your ikharam will be hanging out of your neck and to be around this, and people won't even have the ikharam over your body because it's so hot. You won't be able to tell the difference. And this again is a lesson for the Shujaj. It's a lesson that I know better than my brother. And he's no better than me. We are the same. This is a lesson from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the excitement. That this wealth, this materialistic benefits, is no benefit in the eyes of Allah. It has no benefit. As the hadith says, Allah only looks at the, at the house. He does not look at your forms. He does not look at your clothing. He does not look at your food that you eat, your house, your cars. He only looks at your hearts. وَلَكِنْ يَوْجُرُ اللَّهُ إِلَىٰ He only looks into your hearts. Which heart is the purest of hearts? That is the one who's closest to Allah. إِنَّ أَكْرَامَكُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ أَتْقَاكُمْ Allah says, The most honorable of those amongst you in the eyes of Allah is the one who has the most taqwa. The one who is the most righteous. This is the lesson that we get from Hajj. It's also a terrifying symbol for the enemies of the Muslims. The enemies of, of Islam, when they see this gathering, it's a reminder for them. This is what the Muslims are capable of. They are scattered, they are dispersed, but when they come together, they, their ranks are unified. On Hajj, you don't hate for anybody. You only want his Hajj to be accepted that you want your Hajj to be accepted. You want him to be able to perform your ritual like you are able to fulfill your ritual and so forth. This is a symbol of the unity of the Muslims. And the potential that the Muslims have in terms of when they come together and how strong they can be. Um, it trains the Haji to be content with modest clothing and accommodation. And this is this is the you know the, the, the a lot of value in this. The Haji will train you. It will show you patience. World test your patience. I believe every Qudrat, every Haji, especially patience will be tested. It must happen. Somehow or the other, it will happen and it must happen. It is part of the Hajj. Your Hajj cannot be smooth sailing. You cannot step into Mecca, put on the Ihram and everything goes smooth, your Ibadah and everything happen and at the end of the day, Alhamdulillah, my Hajj is perfect. Can't happen like that. This world is a test. And this Hajj will be a test for you to persevere through it so that you can attain a Hajj Mabrur. Our goal is to get to Hajj Mabrur. And we get to attain a Hajj Mabrur. But the Hadith says there's no reward for Hajj Mabrur except. What's the reward for Hajj Mabrur? 
Anybody knows? If you get a hazmat room, by Allah, what's in the wood? Like a baby. Become like a baby. Okay, that's one of the rewards. A better reward than that is, is the hadith is there's no reward except for Jannah. Allah is not going to give you anything, but He will give you Jannah. So the aim is to get to a Hajjah Brood. There's a way to get to a Hajjah Brood. That will be the cast. But, there will be tests. And there will be patients that will be needed and perseverance that is guaranteed it will be needed. So in terms of your accommodation, that's a test. In terms of your clothing, it's a test. As I said, those clocks, you're going to be sweating. You're going to be getting hot. What's the weather like there now? 40 odd degrees. Right, we have a 35 day year in the, oh, we can't survive. And it's like, what do we do? Get off the road, just sit at home, for the fan. Now where's the aircon? There's no aircon. You know, thousands of aircon. But once you get Mina, there's no aircon. There are these blowers in those tents. And the air that comes up is only hot. You understand? I'm not trying to make you fearful, but this is the case. That's part of hype. It's a test that's part of Hajj is alive. But we'll train you. And you need to be ready for this. I met a man one day on Hajj. He's from a thousand outside of Berlin. He's sitting here talking and he says, you know what? I in my town it gets extremely hot. Extremely hot one of the places in South Africa or something like that. He said. So when I came here, I told the people, heat, nothing for me. I met this man the night before Arafat. The, the 8th of the Hijjah, we're sitting in Mina, in the 10th. And we're sitting, just me, him and the Shukriyasin, in fact, was with me. And the man said, eat nothing for me. You see, when I got off the plane in Jiddah, I nearly fainted. When I got to the plane in Jiddah, I was like in shock because of the heat that hit him. And when he stood that day in Mina, it was one of the hottest days in Hajj. It was nearly 50 degrees. Yet, I think it was 50 degrees. It was so hot, the night it rained. But the man was finished. The Hajj didn't start yet. But he was finished. But this is also what happens is you over-prepare yourself and you tell yourself, I'm strong. I can walk two kilometers from him. And this I've also met people think I can walk. Don't worry. I'm going to walk the whole Hajj. I can walk shit from him. One day of walking. Walking in a 45 degree weather and walking in Cape Town is not the same thing. Understand? So don't also keep yourself. Allah wants ease for you and He doesn't want hardship for you. So when the agent says, look, there's a bus, get in the bus and go. Don't tell the agent, hey, I'm going to walk. If you are super fit, that's one thing. You know, if you are super fit, that means fit, that's one thing. But don't go walk halfway and then you get sick. And then it's this and then it's that. So also you need to be be, be wise about it. Allah says that I want ease for you and not hardship for you. So it's about hikmah is also very important. Um, the one who goes on this journey equips himself with enough provision to help him reach the sacred land. Right? You cannot go for Hajj if you're not by the means to go for Hajj. Then it's not wajib anymore. So number one, if you have the money, 
You need to have the help. You need to have the support to be able to make hajj. To get to this point, we prepare ourselves, right? We start to save up. A couple of years in advance, we're saving, we're saving, we're saving. This hajj only gets more and more expensive. So we are saving, we're preparing ourselves. This is provisions that we are being prepared with. That is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran. And take a provision with you for the journey. Your journey that you're playing with on, take your provision with you. So what's the best of provision? Khayr huh? al is taqwa. The, the best of provision is taqwa. What does this mean? The best, first in terms of hajj, yes. The best provision you can take with you is to be in a state of taqwa. And this brings us back to what I said in the beginning. We have to prepare for hajj way in advance. You need to prepare your iman way in advance. We don't just make hajj and everything falls into place and you feared Allah in hajj and you did no sin in hajj and you did this. It doesn't happen like that. We need to train our iman. You need to build your iman, it goes up and it goes down. This is the nature of iman. At times it's on a high, and it's on a low. We do good deeds, it goes up. We do bad deeds, it comes down. You are negligent sometimes, you're heedless, you're lazy. Iman comes down. But we need to try and train it so that it's on a... It's an upward, upward trajectory, right? You're not coming down all the time. It will be up and down. But in general, we want it to go because we're going up. So when you get to Hajj, you are ready for Hajj. Understand? You can have walked into Hajj now with a now changed person. Change doesn't happen overnight. It's about preparing, it's about going to start cutting out the bad habits now. Every person in this room has bad habits. Starting with myself. Every person in this room has sin. It's about cutting that out now. As much as you possibly can. Fix up, fix up, fix up, fix up. Every day something, every week something. And by the time you get to Makkah, your iman is strong. That hajj must be the cherry on top. That hajj must be the cherry on top. So this pre- preparation of the provision is a lesson. The same way you prepare for the akhirah. The ultimate journey to the akhirah is also a journey. That you need to take your provisions with you. You need to be prepared for it. Five, those are some of the benefits, benefits of Hajj that they uh, have put together. There are many others, many, many others. Easy um, now that you will come across and you will experience yourself. Um, quickly, I'm going to run through some of the virtues of Hajj. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said that while Umrah to the next, and one has to the next, which creates all of the Right? And an accepted hajj has no less reward than a than jannah. This is the hajj I mentioned earlier. And hajj mabrur, it has no reward except for paradise. But we will get to the, the issue of hajj mabrur, we will speak about it later, inshaAllah. Aisha radiallahu anha, she narrates a hadith, she said, I said to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, can you not go out on the campaign and fight in jihad with you? In terms of the women, the men are out of the battlefield fighting. She said, can't we go with? Let us go with you, join, let us fight with you. 
And the Prophet said that the best and most beautiful of jihad is Hajj. And accepted is Hajj. Meaning what? What is the jihad of a female? This hadith tells us jihad to the woman is to make Hajj. Jihad to the woman is to make Hajj. The woman did not fight. They invade your town and nothing else you can do. You pick up an army and you fight. You defend yourself. That's one thing. But to go out to send an army, the men of the Ummah must go and fight. Whilst the woman stay home and look after the affairs of the homes and so forth. But the jihad of the woman is to make hajj. And that's the best of jihad, the hadith says. The other hadith says that the one who fights for the sake of Allah. And the pilgrim who goes for jihad, who goes for hajj and umrah, they are the guests of Allah. They are the guests of Allah. When you are accepted to hajj, and when you go for hajj, this is the ultimate honor. To be the guest of someone that's, you know, big and good and great and well-known, is something. The place the chef invites you to his house, mashallah, the guest of the chef, you know, the president, the guest of the president, but to be the guest of Allah, that's the ultimate honor. And the haji is the guest of Allah. Because it's Allah that chose you to come. That list, those names of that list, that is chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not just by coincidence. And if you end up going, that, 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 that is being chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is a virtue of haji, without a doubt, that we need to be thankful for. Be prepared for the So I'm going to stop here, inshallah. And next week I'll complete. I'll just start from Hajj uh, and accept the Hajj. I'll start from this, and then we will jump into as I said the fifth of Hajj. Then I'll go into the the fifth. What is the shuru conditions of an accepted Hajj, um, and so forth. Right? There's a lot of stuff to discuss in terms of the fifth, like the type of Hajj, and so forth. Are there any questions? No questions? Nothing? Type so I hand over to I think you get a bit of a break, ten minutes or so. Then Shaykh Yasim will start to Sallallahu Alaihi Nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbi ajma'in subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik shadu Allah ilahi illa at astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik.